Hey guys, just wanted to hop on here and remind you that the Fall Collective is open. If you are studying for your BCBA or BCABA exam, the bitches are here for you. You can find us at studynotesaba.com. You can find us on Instagram at studynotesaba, on Facebook at studynotesaba. You see that consistency there? Yeah, we will be consistent as hell in your studying and make studying not aversive AF. So go check us out and don't miss out. Just so you guys know, the dates of the Fall Collective, it starts on August 24th. So you have plenty of time to still sign up and it ends October 28th. 10 weeks with us meeting twice a week, Monday night and Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, covering every single last item on that damn task list to help you pass this exam. And if you can't make those times, that's okay. We have lots of options that could work for you. We have a video bundle that you could access for a month, two months, or four months. Pick whatever fits your hustle. Hope to see you there. Love ya. Mean it. Study Behavior bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. And we are here with episode 60. You could see she sounds so happy because I just called her out saying that she didn't sound excited enough. So now she's like, it's Casey. And we are here with episode 660. I'm sure every time we say that it rhymes with hero, but Casey, do you have anything better for us? Yeah, I do. And also, I was really excited there because I, as I was saying my name, I was looking at and realizing that we're at 60, which I think is another milestone that we should celebrate the, the small things, right? I agree, especially because, I mean, when this episode comes out, it will be past my 30th birthday, but it's double 30, if that means anything. And also something I wanted to say that I noticed, oh, say the rhyme first, and then I'll tell you what I noticed about okay. 60. 6 let's freaking go, baby. Let's freaking go. And I want to tell you something that I realized, and I'm sorry, PB&J, but, you know, there's a lot of people that I would follow for different things, or I'm like, oh, that's cool. They have a podcast. And then I noticed that the podcast ended at a certain point. And I know that you know, Casey, that making a podcast is actually a lot of response effort and commitment and we have gotten to number 60. I actually can't believe that I have ever been committed to anything like this in my life. You know what it is? It's like pure passion. Like every single time that we sit down and like get geared up with our mic and our headphones and, and Adderall. <laughs> well, you, not me. I have my <laughs> energy pills. <laughs> um, and I tell my husband like he can't even breathe or I will kill him. Um, it's just so exciting and I just love it. And I, I just love shutting my husband up. I'm like, <laughs> Elyron, I am podcasting. Do you know what that means? Podcasting. Yeah. Door is shut. Dogs yeah. are in the crate. That was Casey's but, role that she made during for the collective classes. Yeah. Cause my French bulldogs like snore so loud as you guys know, Pat. And like some people find that really, um, relaxing soothing, and it literally irks my, me to my core. The love. Just this, it's like not coming. It's not it's part of having the most elite dog ever. Okay. They breathe like that. That's part of what you're paying for, Casey. Okay. Okay, girl. Okay. okay. So, yeah. Anyway. So, guys, as we're recording this, Leah is turning 30. 
tomorrow and she's been super, I just, super sassy. I didn't want you to forget it. I didn't want you to forget it. So if she's extra sassy in this episode, if she's extra annoying in this episode, it's because she's really trying. So what did I tell you today? That you're trying to be the most annoying birthday girl ever. <laughs> you really are succeeding. She's like, so what's my, what's happening tomorrow? What's my party? Uh, did you invite X, Y, and Z sending me names of people? It's COVID, bitch. No one's coming to your party. Sorry. <laughs> well, if there is a Zoom party, I'm just saying. She's and in I'm a just... lot of this stuff. She acts like I'm not going to plan like something really freaking cool for her. Anyways, I have an amazing review that I want to read today. Are you excited? That was a yeah. very odd noise that you just Yeah, said. that was me excited. <laughs> okay. My voice doesn't get high like cute girls who scream at like Ricky Martin concerts. My voice goes like, oh, when I'm excited. <laughs> All right, you're killing me already. Okay, anyways. So review, let's do it. Um, this one is from someone who I really, really love dearly. And um, thank you for doing this. Um, local BCBA, Marissa. Uh, we've done some hey, stuff with her. Marissa. And her review cracked me up. It says, not your basic bitches. Thank you. Casey and Liat are two of my favorite people in the world of ABA. When I walk the smelly streets of downtown LA and try to avoid stepping in poop on the way to my favorite burrito shop while listening to Liat and Casey talk about whatever the heck they want to. No, seriously. Cartel murder? Check. Interviewing an ex-pimp? Check. And relating it back to ABA is amazing and keeps me sane. As I'm walking and I try and guess which task list item they'll say when the person is talking and Casey will mid-sentence yell out, deprivation, just so us ABA nerds get that reinforcement. This podcast is not just for folks studying for the exam, but for everyone in between. We need more Liat and Casey's in our life. Love you guys. Mahalo, Marissa. I love you, Marissa. Thank you so much for that shout out. I love you Mahalo. That is a review and a half. Marissa, shout out to you. Thank you. That is so, so sweet. Okay. I know I say this every time, but I really am excited for today's episode. And I know that a lot of you guys are going to be excited for this episode because you guys are the one who have requested that we do an episode on this for so long. And it's about time, as in time. I am feeling sassy today. I didn't even realize. Um, so it is about time. And today, Casey, can you tell us who we have on the podcast? I sure can. So today's guest is um, Cassie. I will not even try to pronounce her last name, but um, you can find her on Instagram at Adventures in Behavior. Um, and she, I mean, I've been following her since we, I think we very first started um, Behavior Bitches podcast. Um, she's just got an awesome, really, really cool um, Instagram on being a teacher and a BCBA and her resources that she makes um, on Teachers Pay Teacher is just they're amazing. amazing. They're amazing. Um, but anyways, I'll do a quick bio and then we'll bring her on because we're pumped. Um, so Cassie's, uh, she's currently a special education teacher with eight years of experience. Um, five of the past seven years, she's taught in behavior support classrooms for students with emotional behavioral disorders and autism. So beginning in the fall of 2019, she trans transitioned to teaching students with intellectual disabilities and autism in a middle school functional academics classroom. She's also a board certified behavior analyst, badass, and has experience providing ABA therapy in a private setting. Um, she has a passion for working with students and using ABA strategies in her classroom, which is what we're so pumped to talk about today because we haven't even done any episode like this ever. Um, and she is passionate about disseminating information to fellow special education teachers, general education teachers, parents, BCBAs, BCABAs, RBTs, anyone that is any type of related service. So Cassie, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. 
Yay! We're doing happy dances over here if you can't see us. <laughs> I'm so, happy yeah. no one could see me right now. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Cassie? I'm doing good. I'm really excited to be here. I have been listening to your podcast since it started, like episode one. Pretty sure I even reviewed episode one. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to like now be on the, the podcast. So how did you find our podcast when we first started? Like, I'm really interested in this. <laughs> so um, when you guys first started the podcast, I was um, in active supervision and studying for the um, test. And um, so I was following Study Notes ABA on Instagram and um, saw the podcast um, from there and like followed. And I've just, I've been following you guys ever since. Well, that means a lot to us. And I've been following you ever since. So it's like a secret kind of like, yeah, Instagram's yeah. so cool like that. All my friends are virtual. <laughs> it's and some of them I've never even met. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Cassie, you are a teacher. You're a special educator. Why don't you, I know I read that, you know, whatever bio thing. And tell us bio, how to say your last name. Your last name deserves credit. Lutengerger. <laughs> that was my attempt. <laughs> no, okay, it was Lutenager. Lutenager. Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Uh, well, you can thank my husband for that one. Um, oh, he yeah, is German. Lutenager. Okay. But love he's, it. he's like, what's, what's your maiden forever. name? Herman, which is also German. Oh, double germs. I like this. Actually, I don't like germs. It's COVID. No one likes germs. But, um, all right. So let just, why don't you just tell us about you? Yeah. So um, I graduated high school and started my undergrad in um, psychology, actually, and hopped around majors um, like eight times before I finally landed on special education. Um, when I finished that degree, I started teaching in a elementary life skills classroom and was woefully under unprepared for the behaviors. I taught um, students that had Prader-Willie syndrome, autism, intellectual disabilities. Um, and so I decided to get my master's um, at the same time. So I started my master's my first year of teaching and um, decided that I I had student taught in a high school behavior program for kids with emotional disturbance. And I really felt my heart like pulling towards that. So I, I did my master's program in behavior disorders uh, as part of a special education program. And when I graduated with that, um, I had been going through some really like crappy stuff at the school that I worked at. And I was desperate to leave special education. Like I wanted out. And I have a twin sister who is also a BCBA. And she was like, I really think you should go back and get your courses. Uh, and so I did. Um, and so I went back and I did a course sequence um, in ABA, did my supervision in a school setting um, with a little bit of private practice thrown in. And here I am. You're a badass BCBA and special education teacher. That is yeah, a, that, that a is the power yeah. combo. That is. Not not to brag or anything. I couldn't say agree more. <laughs> that's my background too. I know um, I don't have that. I'm missing part of the power here. And that's I do okay, agree, Casey, because you're a spin instructor, a pediatrician, doctor, <laughs> dentist, and BCBA. 
<laughs> so right now though, you are a BCBA, but yeah. you are not practicing as a BCBA, right? I am teaching full-time and I work as a BCBA for an in-home therapy company part-time during the school years. It's Sundays only. And then during the summer, I pick up um, more hours, um, anywhere from 10 to full-time, depending on the year. Right now, I'm only at 12 hours because COVID. Um, But last summer, I worked almost 30 hours a week. Wow. That's that's amazing. So I feel like most teachers like take summers off, but you're like, no, 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 a lot of teachers I know have like, they'll do summer school or like summer hustles, like teachers, like a lot of them have to keep busy. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't have two months off. I'd go crazy. COVID like totally screwed with me. (laughs) I remember you posting things like I miss my students. (laughs) Like, I feel like I'd be like, woo, party, except no one can party because it's COVID. But anyways, all right. So you are right now, like, I want to talk about this today, like ABA in the school systems, you know, you, you have this interesting background of not only being the special educator, but also the BCBA. So how do you see that play into your job? I think that being a BCBA uh, just totally transformed my um, classroom practice. Um, I use ABA all day, every day in my classroom. Um, and I hear so often from teachers, my district won't let me do ABA. And it blows my mind because as we know, behavior is everywhere and like all day, every day. Um, and so that was part of the reason I started my um, Instagram and blog was to to share how teachers can use um, the concepts within their classroom in a way that's not going to get them in trouble. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because right before we got on, you were saying like when I'm working in the school, I don't sign my emails off as, you know, Cassie Lutenager. Yes. <laughs> Lutenager, uh-huh. Lutenager, comma it BCBA. Like, uh, what is it? Arnold Schwarzenegger, like the Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's drink. literally how I tell people. It's like, I, I'll say Lutenager, like, like Schwarzenegger. <laughs> okay, I wasn't like wrong. I'm Liat, like a Fiat. <laughs> we, everyone has their rhyme. That's funny. So you're saying you don't sign off as BCBA. And because you're saying, you know, I'm not practicing as a BCBA in that moment in the classroom. However, can we ever turn our BCBA off? Once you know life in a sense of seeing everything through behavioral principles, I think it'd be pretty hard. But I, am I wrong? No, it is hard. Um, and I like I get frustrated because um, like we're as teachers, we're not allowed to do the um, functional behavior assessments. It has to be well. You have to go through the IEP process to request it, and then um, the district either behavior specialist or BCBA, whatever you have in your district, they come and do it, um, at least in the state of Texas and the districts that I've taught in. Other districts, I've heard that teachers are able to do the FBAs. Not so for us. And so it's frustrating because I could turn it around a lot faster than um, the district personnel who have so many people that they have to um, assess and provide support for. and I can do it. You know, I have the training. So it frustrates me a little bit sometimes. That is annoying. And But I do hope that you, I know you don't sign off as BCBA, but I do hope that to the BCBAs who may come to your room to do it, perhaps, that you drop that you are a BCBA too. Because then you know they're going to do good work. Oh, yeah, they know. 
Okay, good. I was going to say, because like, even when there'd be a BCBA in my house with my brother, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm a BCBA. Yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. all these programs in here, I don't know why you have this program in here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was, I wasn't certified yet when I started with the school district. And so my co-teacher had been in the district. And so she was introducing me to everybody. And she was like, and this is Cassie Lutnager. She's my co-teacher and she's finishing her supervision hours and she's going to be testing this year and she's going to become a BCBA. Like she did all the introduction for me. <laughs> I love that. It's awesome. It's like a power. You're like, yes, now I like, cause you see things so differently. Um, so what are some of those misconceptions that you see um, between, um, you know, what teachers or direct admin think like ABA is? The biggest one that I, I see is that ABA equals the discrete trial training. And that's just not true. Like we know that's not true. There's so much more to ABA than that. I, I was telling, um, I'm doing, I'm participating in like a mentorship program. And I was telling my mentor, I was like, I even had that misconception when I started uh, my therapy job. I thought like that I would be spending the whole time at the table and I was like, what? We're like only at the table for like 15, 20 minutes. And it's a two hour session. Like what? And yeah. so um, I just think that district administrators have that like understanding or they think that you have to be certified to use anything ABA related. And again, not true. Yeah. Anyone could reuse reinforcement. Yeah. And they, so I wrote, I added to your outline a little bit when I put in this whole thing versus behavior service delivery versus like the applied behavior analysis, like parents can implement ABA, teachers can implement ABA in behavioral principles. Like absolutely. And I love that you like put that in there. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time uh, with training our paraprofessionals on um, skill acquisition things like um we did a whole training with them on chaining um, during COVID. So I was like on Zoom, like trying to show them model like chaining on how to put like a jacket on, which is really awkward when you're like by yourself. So you don't have anybody to like model. So then I was trying to be both like the teacher and the model, which did not really work, but we made it happen. <laughs> I love that. You have to have those little failures, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, everything over the computer is like, ABA is hard to do. I mean, teaching's hard to do remotely. ABA is hard to do remotely. I mean. Well, I, I've actually done both. I did virtual extended school year, and I also have done a little bit of the telehealth with ABA. Um, there's one client that um, the sessions were only like 30 minutes, but we, we made it happen. That's amazing. I get distracted with computer screens. You know, I'm like, I need to be in there. I need to be able to like move around a little bit, but that's amazing. So I want to know what you feel as a, again, I think it's a power combo, special ed teacher, that teaching background and BCBA. What skills do you feel like it gave you as a, you know, as going in and taking you said you, you think a lot of things change for you, even the, like the way you post content on Instagram. W what do you think were the main things that you learned that you were like, oh my God, because I, I have the same experience and I could say after, but I just want to hear for you, 
Well, I think it changed just everything from classroom management to um, teaching my core instruction. Um, and uh, I have to give my supervisor a lot of credit for that because um, at first I was like, I really just don't know how I'm going to, other than behavior, which was the purpose of my classroom. Um, that was in air quotes because you can't see me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thanks for um, making that clear, listeners. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to do more than just that. I wanted to learn how to use the skill acquisition um, procedures to teach. And so we started with um, error correction in phonics instruction. And so working with my kids who were learning to read and using um, the error correction um, and errorless teaching procedures to teach phonics and decoding skills. And we also yes. did um, chaining with long division because that's a complex skill and we broke it down and I used forward chaining. Um, and I've also done total task with um, long okay. division. So, okay, right while we have you here right now, as a teacher, as a BCBA, please break down the difference between forward chaining and total task chaining. Okay, so forward chaining is uh, where I'm writing this down because we have been arguing this all day today. <laughs> We're teaching um, class today. We've taught this class so many times. And the we more we learn, the less we know. The more yeah. we learn, the less we okay, know. Okay, well, I will say this is my understanding of it. So That's fine. if I'm wrong, y'all feel free to, to correct me. Oh, don't worry. We're really good at correcting each other all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, Casey so, is. Forward chaining is where you are teaching the skills one at a time and you start with the very first one and you teach to mastery and mm -hmm. um, then you complete the rest of it, right? So like in long division, so you teach this like the first step and then like you complete the rest of the problem and then they do like the first two steps and they you complete the rest of the problem. Total task is where um you they the learner is completing the whole thing and you're prompting and giving assistance along the way okay so they have every opportunity in the total task to get through it every single time every session you're going through the whole task yes and letting them try every single step yes and then okay. you're you know providing um less um prompts you know as they mm -hmm they go. Um, and that's when you would take that data, right? That's because that's when oh, you would take yeah. like prompted, you know, plus minus, yeah. right? Yeah. So and so I what I would create a task analysis of long division, write out all those steps, and then we would go. I'm sure she has this on her teachers pay teachers. If you guys need resources, I'm telling you, She's got some bad ass shit up there. Um, I actually don't yet. Like that's the well, one. Now I've you have to. This episode, I think, will be out. On, I don't know the date, but you better make something. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I have got lots of time, and I um, am a math science teacher for my my program, so um, I kind of need it because I have kids working on that skill. So it'll. Happen. I'm gonna and I'm gonna buy it so I can teach myself because I don't know how to do any type of long division <laughs> at all. <laughs> Wait, oh, what awesome. grade are you doing division with? So I teach sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, but they have intellectual disabilities. So it could be any single one of them, um, but they're learning at a pre-K to third or fourth grade level. Okay, so Casey, no offense, you're not going to understand this. This is a teacher talk, 
but are you teaching with the new common core ways? So no. So, well, I mean, holy crap. Yeah, no, Common Core is crazy. Texas has its own set of standards, but they're very close to Common Core. So, I mean, technically, yes, but um, and with my guys, I teach like just long whatever division. works, like whatever works. I'm not going to teach them five ways to do long division. I'm going to teach them the one that works for them. So in my student teaching, it happened to be when the Common Core had just come out, there was like older teachers who had been teaching for a while. And you know, student teaching, I'm sure you have had a student teacher before. I'd imagine you to be the type to like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll have a student teacher. Anyways, I was so bullied by this teacher and she would make me have these lessons every day for math on these new common, co- I would literally sit at night like teaching myself like, okay, this is how I have to divide now. All right, this is how I have to do this. Like you have to relearn everything oh yeah like the partial quotient method yes about yeah oh my god oh yeah no that was i was like i did not learn this in school (laughs) like i had to teach myself that because when i taught in the um emotional disturbance program they had to learn state standards at grade level and so i had to teach it and it was hard to learn all those things okay so let's also talk bcba to special education teacher now, okay? So what would really piss me off when I was teaching, it's like these individuals, right? It, that, that's kind of everything. Okay, education says these individuals, if everyone is learning Shakespeare, they need to learn a modified Shakespeare, right? The BCBA in me is like, let's get this person to feed themselves, right? <laughs> or go to the bathroom themselves. Do you, as a teacher and, you know, or do you ever come into that conflict of like, okay, this is honestly not important. If this person can use a calculator in their life, let them use a calculator, you know, like certain yeah. things. So that's kind of the approach. Like it's been nice moving into the intellectual disabilities, autism world, because um, calculators are an accommodation and it's like, I don't technically need to be worrying about the actual process unless I write that in as their IEP goal. Uh, which I do think is important because like we have phones and calculators, but I mean, I, my phone dies on me all the time and I need a calculator and then I need to know how to do it. Um, So when it comes to the content, I just, I'm like calculator, let's go. Um, And then I try to make their IEP goals relevant. So it might be like, like adding, um, like making a budget or adding um, a shopping list. And so we might work on those skills, but it's, it's life skills, not like, how do you do long division? Right. It's more like, let's go to the grocery store. You have 20 bucks. How, like, what can you get for this? How can you budget? And like, what are things going to cost? Right. Yeah. No, but I, you know, I've gone to my brother's IEP meetings before. I mean, the kids I work with were younger, but I've seen, I mean, now he's older than 21, but I would see things on there. And I mean, I guess we have to do similar things sometimes like to make things fit for insurance purposes. Like, okay, we really want this person, you know, doing this like social skill, but we need to put it in as like manding for information or whatever it is. But there'd be certain things on there. And it's like, you have to be creative in a way that you're like, okay, this is going to meet the quote unquote criteria of the, the educational criteria that needs to be met at this age, but also 
you know, we have so many functional skills that need to be taught here along the way. Or oh, for sure. I had a student um, who like, she just didn't initiate conversation. Like she would just sit there and wait for you to ask her a question. And so her science goal was um, to communicate her observations from an experiment. And so like it was linked to the standards, yeah. but it was an important skill that she really needed. So you have to just be creative. Oh yeah. I mean, I get some really crappy MPS IEPs and I love my fellow special educators. I do. I do. I love them. But I think that like we can do a better job. I really do. Do, do you know, better. Just, just talking to you, I want you to know there. I meet some people along the way. And because I, I mean, I have a brother with special needs. I'm always like, that's who I would want working with my brother. That's who, like, I, I always pick and choose. And you're one of those people, just like your energy, you know, because I've been on both ends. You know, I've been the teacher. I've been the BCBA. I've seen, I've, I've been a family member of someone and I've seen crap. <laughs> I've yeah. seen like, okay, you can't be serious that you're putting this in his program right now. And it makes me sad because for someone who didn't know, like an innocent parent, they have no idea. Right. You know, so like we have to be that voice. Oh, for sure. That's amazing. I want to, I also like, and I remember me going through schooling for my BCBA, um, or just ABA, but, um, I always like natural environment training or naturalistic teaching. Like that is, there's no way like that's important. Like that's, I, I kind of started off in that way too, in the beginning that like, if you're not at a table doing discrete trial training, you're not doing ABA that I remember this clear as day being like learning this and being like, that's bullshit. Like I, that's just common sense. Like, but when you think about the actual manipulating the environment, manipulating those motivating operations, right? That is a skill that not a lot of people can actually do. Um, so how do you use that in your teaching? Yeah. So, and it's funny that if we were talking about teachers pay teachers, I actually have a product that line that I'm working on that is, um, crafts and STEM activities that have embedded, ABA principles, so the naturalistic teaching. Um, and I'm working on the August um, one right now. It's going to go up probably right around the same time as this podcast. Um, but it's, you know, it's the things you have to think about it beforehand. You can't just decide like when you're going to teach the lesson that you're also going to do this. Like, you right. really have to be intentional and plan for it. And so it's things like, okay, if I know that my kid needs to work on, um, asking for help, then like intentionally sabotaging, like don't give them the, um, the yellow marker if that's what they need. Um, don't give them the glue stick if you're doing a cut and paste or um, contriving, building that MO behavioral term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like, um, you know, I have one that's uh, working on following one step directions. And so instead of giving them a printout with the instructions, not doing that, and then, you know, giving them the, the one step direction and waiting to see if they do it, and then prompting them to ask you to repeat it if they didn't understand. Um, and so yeah, and you can do that with all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be just social skills or craft, or it doesn't have to be crafts. It can be, um, you know, you're teaching a science lesson and you're doing a cut and paste sort 
And so you just don't give them the supplies and you wait to see, like, are they yeah. going to ask for the scissors and the glue? So this is what that kind of reminds me of is like a behavior chain interruption strategy, right? So like you have to kind of prepare for these things, like you said, know the behavior chain of what's going to have to happen in that order and in, in like insert those little interruptions where you have to, like you said, prepare that you know that on step six, they have to ask for a yellow marker. So you make sure that there is not a yellow marker there. And it takes, it does take naturalistic teaching does take a lot of work. You can do things in the moment, of course, always, but if you're really um, smart and you plan it, it, it's beautiful what happens. Oh yeah. It's, and you know, um, I follow, um, I don't know if you guys follow her, Sasha Long from the Autism Oh, Helper. yes. Oh, my oh, God, yeah. I love her. And she talks she about it baby. all the time. Yeah, she did. Oh, yeah. he's so cute. Yep. Um, and she talks about it all the time. Like, it's okay to sabotage. It really is. Like, your kids are going to be okay. It's good for them. because They're going to learn life skills. Life is sabotaging every day, right? Oh, yeah. Like, all the time. Like, there's so many times. I've, I've taught in four schools over the co course of these last seven years. And um, so many times I had to go, I don't know where this is. Who can help me find it? That's a skill that our kids don't always have. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, I feel like I am one big behavioral chain interruption strategy in my life. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're doing so well. We got this course ready to go. The website's down. I'm like, <laughs> um, <laughs> interruption. Man for help. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> which she calls me Casey we have a problem <laughs> like okay here we go let's try this <laughs> um but yeah I just like I love that so can, what is crafts and stem like explain that so crafts is just like what it sounds like like arts and crafts type thing so like one of the activities is um making a um like a sun mosaic so like mm -hmm. And it also has like fine motor stuff embedded in it. So like ripping paper. And I, I don't like point that out, like obviously to people, but I mean, it does. It has lots of, there's benefit to doing arts and crafts in the classroom. Um, so it's crafts and then STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. So come on, Casey, you know this STEM. I knew yeah. I was part of STEM now that you're saying this. And it's hilarious to me that I didn't really put that together. But I remember I must have not have paid attention at all in high school. But I now I'm like, oh, yeah, science, technology. Yeah, OK. So like one of them is building a solar oven and like making s'mores. And then there's like a, you know, a science data sheet that goes with it. But like the the s'mores activity, I think, was um, like the I want to say it was like following directions is like the core skill that um, I was like focusing on for that activity. I could, you know, totally it, and you could totally create the MO where they're just deprived of any type of sweets. And now they're like going to be really motivated to yeah. follow those directions because they know that the end result is what they want. Smores, yeah. Smores, who doesn't do that? Oh my I gosh. mean, and like, we don't get to do like food type stuff very often because mm -hmm. I don't know if Leah, if you experienced this, like having, you had to have like edibles written into the IEP. Otherwise you couldn't do it unless it was like a free food day. Oh yeah. And even as a, even as a student, I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember like once a year, there'd be like one math activity where there's M&Ms and they're like, don't eat your M&Ms yet. <laughs> and like, it's like the best day ever. And you're like staring at them and you're like, <laughs> and like you literally, now that I think back, I'm like, ugh. 
like literally the teacher's hands, like touching every single one, like counting out how many you get. Like, and now I'm like gag. I just remember, I have such vivid memories of these things from teachers. I also remember, so clear, this is off topic completely, peanut butter and jelly, sorry. Hopefully you're not listening anymore, peanut butter and jelly. Just kidding. Um, I remember teachers holding these like big cups of ice water and like getting ice was so cool from the teacher's lounge that like they would have these ice cups and like you could hear it like move around in the cup and I like would literally salivate. Like that is so cool. And like they would purpose, yeah, and they would literally like shake it around. Like it'd be like, mm-hmm, guys, and now we're going to read Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. Crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> yeah, you we know? definitely still have the the water cups with the ice from the teacher's lounge. <laughs> yeah, it was I like magical. It. it was magical as a kid. I just totally remember it. I, I love that. I just like don't have those memories. I'm I'm sad. I feel like the last. Well, that's because being... I wanted to be a teacher my whole life. So like everything uh, they did yeah. was so cool. Like when teachers were getting rid of like old curriculum that like the district no longer use. I'm like, can I have that? Or like their worksheets. Can I have all your extra worksheets? Um, you know, the web didn't have you like printing out everything. So I would have like full on, like I remember like McGraw, McGraw Hill maybe I think was the brand. And I had like a geography, like full teacher curriculum with like the spiral bound teacher's copy. Oh yeah, I thought those were so cool until I had to lug a set across campus in my undergrad from the library back to my dorm room. That like ruined that for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but when I was younger, it was like so cool. I mean, so I noticed everything a teacher did. And I, I, I think also just as a teacher, why I feel so passionate about Study Notes ABA and being that teacher is because I see what power a teacher has. Like when you have an amazing teacher or an amazing supervisor or someone teaching you something along the way, it is like that impact is never forgotten. Like I will never forget Miss Griffin ever. Like my fourth grade teacher, she's my password on everything. Um, <laughs> way to just tell the world that. Security <laughs> question, not, not. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah. Mm, so you cool. have to get past the password first. No. Um, but speaking of which, uh, talking about being a good teacher, and it also goes for staff too. So I, I want to talk a little bit about supervising staff as well. And, you know, I think that supervision in general is such an important part of our field. And I don't know if it's because we're talking to so many people who are taking their test or we're just because we're coming into contact with so many people. I hear of so many people having poor supervision experiences that when I hear of someone having a great one, I I would I decided this right now on the podcast, by the way, Casey, that when someone says they had a great supervisor, I think that they should call the person's name out and give that recognition. Because you said you had a great supervisor, is that right? Yeah, I did. She was the district BCBA and it actually was twofold. My principal at the time um, was amazing. And then my um, supervisor, Um, And she might disagree with me, but I felt like she really did a lot. I had really poor self-confidence from um, just some like really negative experiences I had had with school administration, like the past, my first five years of teaching. And so between the two of them, they really helped build my self-confidence back up um, and um, like make, make it known to me that I did know what I was talking about. I do know what I'm talking about. And that um, I am a good teacher. Definitely. 
I think so, that's so important. I think with like, uh, we also forget too to use these b- amazing behavior principles that we apply to our clients to use them with. And Leah is amazing at this as like being her partner, applying them to your staff, to um, people that, you know, you love and your circle or whatever it may be. Like, it's really important to think about these things. For Thank sure. you, Katie. That was like you the are, nicest you're... thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> I always know when you're behaviorally like analyzing me or be- pulling a behavior principle on me. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what, re- reinforcement. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't hide that reinforcement. I mean, I believe in it. Yeah. Right, but- I mean, I, my principal, she would like write notes to us and put them in our um, mailboxes in the school. And um, it was always like some, you know, just like, I appreciate your passion for the students. I know that you care, or um, I really appreciate all of the work you did that one day with X kid, like just things like that. Um, yeah. Recognition. And, oh yeah. Like it, it goes, goes so a far. long way and it's free. You guys like there, it is free. You don't have to pay to praise somebody. Right. Well, it's funny. I remember like one, one company I worked for, they would give us like, um, which was very nice, but like, you know, like say five or $10 gift cards to like Starbucks, like once like a year, basically, um, as like the ratio like, strain, <laughs> like, five dollars like, once a year by company. <laughs> like, instead of like, I, I, for me, like a coffee, like, and you also, you have to look at people's preferences, right? Like I hate Starbucks. I don't want to be ever get Starbucks ever. Like I like Aroma Joe's. So that was not a great reinforcer for me. So like conducting these preference assessments with your staff, you know, like not everyone gets gas at Exxon or like, maybe I don't have an Exxon near me. Like, great. This Exxon card means nothing to me because I have to drive 50 minutes to get to it, which means I'm wasting more gas to even get that $10 of gas that you gave me. Um, so conducting these, you know, constantly, just like you would with a client. And, and then also like, um, you know, I put, I put on the outline, like using function-based approaches, like if something's not going right there, like there's a, a reason why, like if your staff isn't collecting the data, the way that you've designed it, like, is it too hard? Do they not understand it? Are they trying to escape it? Like, do they not mm-hmm. have the skill to do it? And like, just the, like we approach our kids, we have to approach the staff too in the same way. And I feel like a lot of staff that I've, you know, things that I've witnessed in my experience is that, and I'm the same way, like if someone teaches me something once, right? So like, say I teach an RBT how to take, let's just say partial interval recording data. And they're like, yep, I get it. And I like demonstrated behavior skills train, you know, and, but like, maybe we don't go through the full competency steps and then they leave. They may have told me that they totally get it. Right. And I'm so guilty of this because I don't want people to think that I don't get things. So I'll be like, I'll just teach myself later, like secretly, like, yep, I got it. Mm -hmm. I a hundred percent. And like, I see that happen a lot. And then I'm like, and it's, it's totally human to be able to like, to want to be perfect or like want to make your supervisor think that you totally get it. And in reality, I come back in a week and it's totally not what, and, and it's, you know, again, there's like, I didn't really understand that. And it's, it's hard to like say that to your supervisor. Like, I don't get it. And it's okay. If you're out there listening and you're like, shit, I don't get it. Just say it. I don't get it. And say it over you and over. What? I want you guys to know that. I don't know. As I've learned more, and I know Casey, I can speak for you too. As I've learned more, I realize that I know less. Mm-hmm. And 
I realized that some things that I never wanted to ask questions about before, other people, if you ask it, have the same question. Like today, I was asking Casey, I was like, this is off topic, but do you ever feel confused as to why changing criterion is supposed to be for like skills that are in someone's repertoire and it's not shaping, but at the same time, you're essentially like, shaping within topography like duration or <laughs> like if, I mean first of all like it, the fact that this is what Leonardo and I spend our <laughs> days talking about is a testament to like a how like much we are passionate but also like just the more you learn the more you're like what the fuck I know no nothing. but I was like I was like <laughs> I'm gonna ask this like I was like like, and I was like, I I'm just had, and I said to her, I go, I just had a girl send me an article in a Facebook messenger who, after our experimental designs class, that it did say they talked about shaping within the behavior of increasing the magnitude or frequency or whatever it may be. And I'm like, yes, but, and it's like, you got to like pull back for the exam a little bit. Um, yeah. But for the exam, by the way, sorry, don't want to confuse anyone, but exactly that the Casey and I were talking about this earlier and I'm realizing that. A lot of people think that they want to show they understand something. A lot of this stuff is hard. Like, even if you're doing DTT trials, like to get that speed, uh, anything along those lines. I remember being like so stressed when my supervisor would come in, like doing DTT trials. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I would deliver like 15 different SDs at once. And she's like, can you yeah. just like, or like, hey, they're awesome person. Show me yellow. And she's like, can you just say yellow? <laughs> and I'm oh. like, oh, God, I, I like to talk. <laughs> she's like, you're just confusing them. I'm like, okay. Cool. Awesome. Like, I'm chill. So I'm much. chill. I'm totally chill. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Me chill. Yeah. I'm not freaking out at all. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I totally get because I, so when I started with um, the in-home company, I was like, let's see, June, July, August, like four months from finishing my supervision. So like I had been in active supervision for like eight, eight or so months. I don't even know. And um, I like, and I had a ton of experience in the school system and like, I, I was so nervous about screwing up because I was like, what if they think I'm just like this terrible clinician? Right. I know. <laughs> and it was like, they were totally amazing. I love mm -hmm. the company that I work for. They really are. It's a, it's a BCB owned, BCBA owned company. And she's those are the best. There. Those are the best. She's in there working with us. Like I cross paths with her a couple times a week during the summer as we're like, I'm leaving a client's house and she's coming and like they were just so amazing to me with like it's okay like we know this is your first time working in a in a setting like this like it's yeah. different and I think like that goes into also just being like open and honest and transparent and like you know I'm a BCBA but this is maybe not yet in my scope of competency like I know like my scope of practice says I can do all these things, but maybe I haven't had a lot of experience conducting, you know, DTT with a kid who I don't even have instructional control over yet. Like, and, and, and being honest and saying, Hey, it's going to take me like a couple of days, just a pair. Like you may not think that like what I'm doing is, you know, effective because we haven't gotten there yet. But in order to get there, there are so many crucial steps that you have to do just to get the kid to attend to you and want to be around you. I think sure. this is, so important and there's a lot of things i think people also i just want to put this out there in case anyone ever feels overwhelmed i feel like this is a good plug-in right here that even when you become a bcba 
I know, at least I did, I assumed that every single thing that was on that task list or that I studied for the test, that every other student in my course or studying also already had done or they've already done, they've mm -hmm. already conducted everything in there. And I don't want to say that like, to be honest, I never did this and I never did an uh, FBA on my own and I never did this. And I want you guys to realize because I'm telling you because I get people coming to me. So I will be the, the your person of truth. So many people who have their first job have never done any of these things. So you are not done learning and be clear about that. If anyone's saying they've done it all, they're lying. Literally. Oh, for sure. I've never administered the ABLES. I will say that right now. I've never administered the ABLES because the majority of my experience has been in the school system and we don't use it. Yeah. Um, and the the BCBAs in my school district, they don't administer assessments like the VBMAP and ABLES because that's not the scope of that job. And so I think, yeah, like, I, you know, I never did enables either. I've done, I picked skills of it that I liked, but I like everything I did was mainly VB map. But yeah, I know, and I remember like, I, I've done like a ton of violin because I worked with adults. So like I've practiced the VB map under supervision, but I've never actually done it on my own. It just want oh, yeah. you guys to know that. Just being real, guy. Yeah, yeah, we're just spewing out all our secrets. <laughs> and you guys want to know another secret? I never even passed the BCBA exam. <laughs> 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 Guys, I told you sassy 30. She's getting real sassy in her 30s. <laughs> um, and like I know there's like so much that was a joke. That was a joke, everyone. You don't need to tell them. I think they know that, hopefully. Um, so like let's okay, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about like what are some ethical challenges that you see in school systems? Um, you know, from you know, your standpoint as a teacher and a BCBA. Yeah, so um, I think that there's two that are like the biggest that stand out for me. Um, first of all, like elementary teachers, like Christmas and teacher appreciation, favorite times of the years because you get the Starbucks cards, you get the the coffee cups and the cakes and the things from your kids that want to like give you a gift because it's Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And like we know we're not supposed to accept gifts uh, like as part of our ethical standards. And so that's really hard to manage as a teacher. Fortunately for me in middle school, that doesn't happen as often. But then there's also the issue of like, okay, middle school kids are more independent. So if there is a gift coming, it's going to be handed to you from the kid. So then mm -hmm. how do you tell a kid no? Wait, right? but you're not wearing your BCBA hat when you're in there. You still have right. to follow your code though, right? You still have to follow the code. Yep. <laughs> and, so, yes. yeah, and then it becomes a, an issue of okay if I turn them down am I doing harm so right. there's a whole lot of considerations and I'm not going to tell you like what to do because of I course not decide that for yourself um I like I just personally I weigh like am I going to do harm if I tell this kid no right and like if, then, they, if they made you a card and you're like Take it back, kid. Take the damn card. <laughs> if a kid writes you a card, you take that shit and you yeah. hang it up. I'm sorry. Let's be I, real life here. I'm sorry. If someone draws me a picture of me, whether it's a bulletin board that's like yeah. full of kid pictures, like, right. no. But if they give you like $100, like that's a little creepy, A, yeah. so you are use your best ethical judgment. You're not going to take that, right? Right. Like, yeah, I get yeah, yeah. totally. So that's, that's the one. And like, I mean, it's a hot topic in clinics. It's a hot topic in schools. Like that one's just a hot topic in general for ethical challenges. And the, the other one that like boils my blood 
is that districts will tell teachers to write behavior plans before an FBA has ever been done or mm -hmm. even been requested. And that's just not like, like no direct observation, good. no data has like, been taken. You're shooting in the dark if you yeah. don't have an, a function identified. Like I can look at a kid and be like, hmm, I think it might be this, but I still don't know unless I collect the data. Mm -hmm. And so, and so like, I just, I'm like, if a kid doesn't have a behavior plan and the district's telling you to write one, like that's between you and the district. But I tell all of my followers, if you're being told to write a behavior plan, you also need to request an FBA. Like you need that information. It's like crucial first steps. Yeah. Like you wouldn't go to a doctor and they like, I don't know, tell you that you need brain surgery without like taking an MRI and like, you know, reading the scans and reading the data. Like exactly. I know that was a drastic example, but I feel like it's okay to like go there. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, like they're not going to give you antibiotics if you don't have a bacterial infection, if it's just a virus, like they, you have to get that assessment first. Function based baby. I yeah. love that. I love it. Woo. Cassie, this you are a great hot shit. I know. I like episodes where I, like we haven't stopped smiling like the whole entire time are like they give me life. And this is definitely one of them. So me well, too. I'm and I'm still smiling that you said I'm good at behavioral principles at work. Like that's the power of praise, my friends. I'm literally still like, I am. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should never have said that, guys. Damn it. <laughs> my head's about to blow up. My headphones just got tighter. <laughs> is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up, Cassie? Yeah, I just, I really encourage teachers um, to explore ABA and ask, ask people for more information. I mean, there's so many applications for it uh, within the school system. I, we didn't even talk about classroom management plans. Um, I think that's another episode. That's another episode. I, like, Don't worry, girl. We'll get, I we'll, we'll totally wrap come up. Back. We'll, yeah, I was gonna say, we'll have you back on. No, I um, love that. And piggybacking on what you said, if you are a teacher listening to this, you cannot teach until you have behavior under control. Like that is one thing that I remember thinking after my master's in special ed program, I was like, oh yeah, this will be so easy. Like my program was so behavior-based. I know this. We took like one basic whatever class, like autism class or something. And then when I went and did this coursework, I was like, holy shit why is this not mandatory coursework within every educator? Because you cannot teach until you have prerequisite skills. And that's it. Like teachers spend so much time with behavior with, you know, or one student's behavior taking away from being able to work with anyone else that if you are a teacher and you find like, I mean, this is like an additional, it's actually like a superpower. I really feel. Yeah, for sure. So where can everyone find you? So uh, I am on Instagram, um, adventures.in.behavior. So make sure you have the dots. Um, and Facebook, Adventures in Behavior. Although I will be honest, I'm not on there a whole lot. Instagram is my main platform. I have a blog, adventuresinbehavior.com. I'm on Teachers Pay Teachers if you want that cool stuff that uh, Liat and Casey were talking about. Um, also, adventuresinbehavior-cassielutenager.com. Um, Pinterest, Adventures in Behavior, 
Um, she's everywhere, guys. And she's also written a recent blog post for Study Notes ABA website that should be coming out soon. So stay yeah. tuned. Our blog posts are getting hot like fire. And I didn't even know that she wrote one. I, I don't manage that, but I'm pumped. <laughs> so I can't wait to read yours. You guys all asked for it. So I said, is there anyone who is a BCBA working within the schools who could come and talk about the different things that people come to contact with? So we made it happen. If you guys have any topics that you guys want us to cover, you know you could reach us. You know where to find us at Behavior Bitches Podcast on Instagram, at Behavior Bitches Podcast on Facebook, behaviorbitches.com. And you could always support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash behavior bitches. Nice job. Cassie, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed having you on this episode. It's uh, been I'm great. really glad I got to come. Make I, sure you I, share I, with all your followers. Oh, I will. So. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Until next week, friends. Sassy. That was creepy. Stop yeah. yeah I'm so, so sassy today. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sassy. All right, guys. Love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat here, and I just wanted to take the time for just a single second of your time and tell you about something awesome. As you know, Casey and I are super into this podcast thing going on here and getting it started. And I just wanted to let you know that there's an easy way to get it done. And that is what I'm gonna tell you right now about Pretty Easy Podcast. Thank God we got in touch with the team at Pretty Easy Podcast. They help you do everything from start to finish. They will get your show up there. They will record the episode for you. They will produce it. They will add bleeps in if you're full of F-bombs like myself. Whatever it is that you need, they will do it. When you first said you wanted to start a podcast, I was like, okay, we can do that. We have no idea what we're doing. I never really thought it would get off ground until we met Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast and he put all my fears to rest. He helped us get everything going from all of our audio editing and production and our song that we have, which is amazing, by the way. We're allowed to record from our own homes. He helps us with our guests. Um, he caters to our schedule. Come on, Leah, we are the worst with scheduling. I mean, I know we said we're going to have a podcast a week. So far, we're out a few days, but hey, he works with us. That's what we need. But the point is, we were looking at how we could download all these different programs to try learn how to do all this podcasting stuff. But truth is, it's affordable. It's much easier to have someone do it for you. You could go to prettyeasypodcast.com and you could get started today. So. I say go. I say if you want to be heard, if you have something to say, like we do, we love the sound of our own voices, and we found Alan who lets our voices shine. So thank you, Alan, at prettyeasypodcast.com. Easy